The text for the sermon this morning is the last verse of chapter 4 of Romans, Romans 4, verse 25. Speaking about the Lord Jesus then, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, just over a week ago we remembered the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good Friday and Easter Sunday. He died. He rose again triumphant. This is the heart of the Christian faith. And it sounds like a kind of a confession of faith in our text. Jesus, who was delivered up because of our offenses, Good Friday, and who was raised for our justification, Easter. This concise confession shows us clearly how much God has done for us in Christ and how incredibly richly we are blessed in Christ. And then, of course, if it shows that, it also shows you how incredibly poor you would be without Christ and how necessary it is to embrace him in faith. You have to note that the text first states that Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses, our sins. Delivered up, handed over, surrendered. You hear those kind of words when, you know, when a Canadian a citizen who is wanted here in this country for some crime is arrested in another country and then is delivered up, is handed over to the authorities here to be tried in court here for his crimes. That means then that those foreign authorities give him over and then back off, take their hands off him, give that person over totally to be judged and sentenced here by the Canadian authorities. They wash their hands of this person. Well, so God delivered up, handed over, surrendered Jesus. God drew back his hands when he surrendered him to the authorities here on earth, to the Jewish Sanhedrin and to Pilate. He, in other words, gave up, delivered up his son. I give him completely over to you to judge and to deal with, he said. And then the result was predictable, right? The human and worldly, worldly authorities here sentenced him to death and crucified him. And this is confessed in our text because this shows us God's love and how blessed we are. And I preach to you that text with this theme then. Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. That shows us two things. It shows us in the first place how greatly God loves us. And in the second place, 
it shows how richly God blesses us. So firstly, how greatly God loves us. Jesus delivered up, given up completely, surrendered by his Father. Amazing if you think about it that God gave him up like that. Imagine, boys and girls here, you had a pet rabbit. Imagine that you had a pet rabbit. You had that rabbit for a long time. You always gave it the best care possible. Gave it hay and cleaned out its cage and everything. But, but your best friend at school became quite sick and is in hospital. And you want to give that friend something. But you have no money. What should you do? You think, well, I could, I could give up my rabbit. I could sell the rabbit. And then with the money that I get for the rabbit, for my rabbit, I could buy something for my friend. But there's a problem. Who's going to buy your rabbit, and what are they going to do with your rabbit? You know that your uncle would like that rabbit. But you also know that if he'd buy it, he would kill it and eat it. You don't want that to happen, so you don't want to give up your rabbit. Well, that's just a rabbit. But mothers and fathers here, imagine that one of your children wanted to go to the Middle East to fight with, against ISIS there, the Muslim extremists. Would you give them up for that? You wouldn't be in favor of that, would you? Because parents want to protect their children from coming to harm, so you'd do everything in your power to keep them from going to, that, to fight in that, that war, wouldn't you? Well, then think about this. God did not spare his only begotten son, but gave him up, delivered him up for us all. Delivered him up even to people who were ready to condemn him even unjustly, to scoff at him, to flog him, to crucify him. And he knew that. And still God drew back from him and said, I give him to you, go ahead. I completely deliver him into your hands. And Jesus was delivered up. And you notice, by the way, that that expression, delivered him up, comes back time and again in all the description of Christ's sufferings. Judah says to the chief priests and the Pharisees, what will you give me if I deliver him up to you? And later it says in the Gospels that the Sanhedrin delivered up Jesus to Pontius Pilate to condemn him. We give him over to you, Pilate, go ahead and condemn him and have him put to death. And later it says that Pilate delivered him up to the soldiers to be crucified. He lets them mock him, put him to death, and he washes his hands of the whole affair of Jesus that tries to. And think about it, it's terribly humiliating if you're given over to that, delivered up like that. If people just want to get rid of you, one after the other, delivered him up to others. Only those others 
want to do worse and worse things with you. That's how little they valued his life. Get rid of him, please. We give him to you. But ultimately it is God who delivers him up. Even though Jesus was his only begotten son. His beloved son. And if you think about that. Then you realize that for God our salvation was worth more to God than Jesus' suffering. That's why he gave him up to people who would crucify him, who subjected him to the curse of God and the full wrath of God on the cross. God the Father did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for that. That's what took place with Jesus' suffering and death on Good Friday. And that's what that confession of faith in our text then expresses. He was delivered up because of our offenses. And notice that the text says here, because of. Some translations here also have for our offenses. It doesn't matter. But because of is very well possible. Because of our offenses. And that means our sins made this necessary, our offenses. It was required in order for us to be delivered from the ultimate consequences of our sins. There was no other way for us to be saved for life than by God the Father delivering up, handing over His only begotten Son. And so because of our offenses also becomes for our offenses. He was handed over for us, because of us and for us. J.C. Ryle, I don't know if you ever read the books, meditation books or so of J.C. Ryle, well-known 19th century British minister. He wrote that the necessity of God's delivering up of his son shows us two things. First of all, that God had to deliver up his son because of our sins. That he had to deliver him up because of our sins shows us the the great sinfulness of sin. And secondly, that God had to deliver up his son because of our offenses shows how great God's love is. That he was willing to go that far for us. So those two things. True faith embraces those two. First of all then, a growing realization of the depravity of our sin. What have I done that the God of glory had to give up, deliver up His only Son for me? Then sin isn't just a matter of making a mistake. Oops. Could have done better. No. Sin is an offense against God's goodness. A blatant transgression of God's law. I stepped over the line. I was wrong to do it. I still did it. Or 
it was the right thing to do, and I still refuse to do it. Because of our offenses, our text says, I offended God, the Holy One, my Almighty Creator, who alone is good and the overflowing fountain of all good. I offended Him. Sin is serious. It's so serious that God had to deliver up His one and only begotten Son to deal with it. What have I done? And what do I still do? Still now, even in thought, word, and deed. I know what it is, and I still can't stop sinning, causing God offense. How intolerable, how unbearable I must be to God in myself. And how ashamed of myself I need to be before God. The sinfulness of sin. Congregation, we're so inclined to play down the seriousness of our sin, aren't we? Not a big deal. Nothing to get too worried about. I can get over it, so God should be able to get over it. But if God says in our text that it required him to deliver up his only son, then surely you can't say it's no big deal, can you? No, sin is so bad that if you don't share by faith in Christ's suffering and death, then you yourself will have to undergo that suffering and death, which he went, you'll have to go undergo that yourself forever. Then you'll have to be delivered up to the powers of destruction and wrath and eternal punishment yourself, delivered up to eternal darkness if we had to deal with the ultimate consequences of our sin ourselves, we'd end up in the terror of hell forever. So it shows the extreme sinfulness of sin in the first place. But also, the second thing God's giving up his son because of our offenses shows is that, that infinite love of God how great God's love for us that he was willing to do that, to hand over his son to people to do with what they wanted. Amazing that my salvation was worth more to God than the well-being of his son in the flesh. Just think about that. He completely let go of his son, delivered him up, and took his hands away for my salvation. To carry the guilt of my sin. To bear the awful punishment I deserved. 
when he, as it were, had to choose between delivering me up to hell or delivering up his son, his only son, to hellish agony and punishment, he gave up his son. Think about it. He gave him up to save me. He was willing to go that far in order to deliver me. Even though I'm so awful, such a sinner, he gave up his son for me. That's love, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. That has to be love. And what's even more awesome, if you think about it, the son was willing to do that. Willing to be delivered up. He made himself available to be given over to that suffering and to hellish agony and to death. Offered himself for that. Let himself be given up for that. I, I for you. Otherwise you would have suffered eternal death. Incredible love of God. If you think of that, just think it through. And then I... I hope you see and feel, congregation, how far this is from ever saying, well, I, I already know this already. This is just simple stuff. Why do I need to hear it again? Why don't you preach about something new? We need to hear this every time again in order to experience the love of God in our hearts again and again and again and again. Because weak and sinful people like us have such short memories. We have a sort of spiritual dementia. We so easily forget the depth of God's love. And we'll never come to the bottom of contemplating that love of God and delivering up His Son for us either. Never get finished with that. In eternity even. Knowing our sins... And seeing God's love in Christ is something we need to grow in all the time. And it belongs to the daily exercising of our faith. Hating my sins. Seeing and hating my sins. And and then loving Him who so loved us first. So we need to hear the heart of this gospel again and again. He was delivered up because of our offenses. And he was raised because of our justification. And that's the other side of our salvation in Christ. The other side of the coin of our salvation. That brings us to the second part of the sermon. That Jesus was raised for our justification. Shows how richly God blesses us. How richly God blesses us. Raised for our justification. That word justification, congregation, that means in this context, made perfect and just before God. Made like we should be before him. Nothing against us anymore. Nothing outstanding. Made completely innocent before God. And whoever is declared completely innocent before God's throne can't be under any arrest anymore. Has to be released In this context, it means being declared innocent by God and therefore at peace with God, eligible to enjoy eternal life with God. 
with the holy God, all connected with being justified. Just before God, totally innocent before God. That's impossible in the light of God's law. The law requires us to be perfect. Perfect in love. Heart, soul, and mind. And all our strength. But we're all sinners. Right? We can never deliver what the law requires of. We can never give that love ourselves. Never in our lives can we justify ourselves. Never. Oh, I tried to relativize the law a bit, you know, bring the law down a bit, bring down what it requires more to my level. You know, just look at the outside without bringing the heart into the picture with its motives, the heart with its intentions. And then at the same time, I tried to bring the law down, I tried to lift myself up a bit, right? Improve myself by doing this and avoiding that. Look, I'm, I'm not doing too badly. And it's all egocentricity making myself look better than I am. And then I, I think I make a fairly good job of being just before God. Making myself right with God. Bring the law down. Bring myself up. Until the Spirit takes it all away again, confronts me with the law and with the vanity of my thoughts about my abilities and my innocence. Like Peter, you know, when he said to the Lord Jesus, I will never disown you, Lord. And then the same night he heard the cock crow and he remembered Jesus' words and he went out and had to weep bitterly because of what he had done. It can take time, sometimes a lot of time and a lot of trouble. But the, in the end, every true believer realizes that he or she can never come close to fulfilling the law of God and never make themselves right with God, can't justify themselves with God. But we read the word justification in our text, made, declared, Innocent, made just. In Romans 4, the word accounted is used a number of times. In, for instance, verses 5, 9, 22, accounted righteous. Accounted innocent. Innocence or perfection is accounted to me then in justification. The word impute is also used, verses 8 and 23, 22 and 23, for instance, same thing. Reckon to someone. Sin is not accounted to or imputed to or reckoned to us then, but righteousness is reckoned to us. Innocence is put on my account. You notice those accounting terms, those are all accounting terms used here. You can think of an account you have, say, with Hydra One. Supplies your electricity here. Let's say you owe Hydra One $1,000, but the next time you get your bill, you notice somebody else paid the full amount for you, and not only the full amount, what you owed, but even $1,000 more. That money was imputed to, to you, was reckoned to your account. 
That's what justification is. God ascribed what Jesus did to my account. God's son in our flesh fully obeyed God's law, fully bore the punishment for my offenses. And what he did is accounted to me, put on my account before God, imputed to me. God imputes what Christ did so that his obedience and suffering and bearing the punishment for sin becomes our obedience and our payment for sin. And so that God now sees us if we had never had nor committed any sin. As if it had never entered our minds. As if we had done everything Jesus did. As if his life was ours. He sees us as completely innocent. Justified before him. And see, that's why he was raised from the dead by God the Father. That's what makes that necessary, that he was raised from the dead. You might see it something like this. You know, somebody ends up in a fast-flowing river and is drowning. They're going under, just being bounced over the rocks by the water. Somebody else, a rescuer, he jumps in the rushing water, throws his arms around the drowning person, holds him to his chest, And then someone on the riverbank reaches out a hand and pulls the rescuer out of the water along with the drowning person. And the thing you have to remember is that the the rescuer is hauled to the shore together with the drowning person, holding on to that person. And you see, with his becoming man and his suffering and death, Jesus jumped into our situation here on earth and he grabbed hold of us as we were going under and he held us to himself to his heart held us to his heart all the way to the cross and God reached down and raised Jesus from the dead he came back to life he had the right to come back to life because he had done all that was needed to be given life the grave couldn't hold him Peter says later on And so he he was raised and lives again, but differently than before Good Friday and before Easter. Before then, from his birth on, he lived toward the cross under the wrath of God, the curse for our sins. But now that he has been raised, his life is totally different. He has left condemnation and curse and death behind. He lives in the light of God's faith, face in God's favor. God raised him up. And drew him out of this situation into that glorified life. But when he was raised up, he had us pressed to his heart. So God not only drew up his son on shore into that glorified life, but also us with him. God himself doesn't take hold of sinners, but he takes hold of his son and raises him. And those who are in his son's heart are raised up with him. He was raised because of our justification. And again, you could say too, for our justification. 
we share fully in the life that Jesus Christ was given at Easter. We share in that. We're, we're made right with God because of Jesus. Our judgment is actually in the past. And we're on the way to that same glory that Christ has, eternal life. Because of Christ's resurrection, that's certain. He was raised so that all those who are His, in His heart, are raised with Him to eternal life with God. And congregation, that shows how richly blessed we are in Christ. How safe we are with Him. As surely as Jesus received that glorified life with God, so surely I have that life too with Him. All because he was willing to go through everything for me. Willing even to be despised, condemned, and crucified for me. Willing to be given up. Even though at any time he could have called in legions of angels to extract him from it all. He gave himself to. How richly blessed we are with this Savior. No riches here, no possessions here, no pleasures here in this world can compare to the riches we have in Christ. No wonder the Apostle Paul says, Philippians, I count everything else here as rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Is that how you feel, brothers and sisters? Is that how you feel too? Those rich blessings are yours by faith. They have been promised to you They are yours by faith. And what is faith? Faith means accepting that it's impossible for you to make things right with God yourself and giving yourself completely to Jesus Christ. Letting him be your all. And somebody might think, well, that's way too easy. Not easy. Not easy at all. To accept everything Jesus did in faith and to make him your all because we're so inclined to think we can make ourselves acceptable to God in some way. You know, do this good thing, do that nice thing. Look, Lord, what I did, I should be eligible. But then you try to keep trying to do the impossible and that's going to wear you out. No, faith is accepting the fact that it's impossible for you to justify yourself at all before God. Even if you lived as long as Methuselah, a thousand years almost. You need to let go of that. Trying to work your way up to God. Forget it. It's impossible to make yourself acceptable to God. You need to To lay that in Jesus' hands. In his hands who gave himself up for you and promised himself to you. Give that impossible to him. Because he did what was impossible for you. Carried your offenses. Paid for them all in full. More than full. And through that was raised. So that you might be raised with him. 
through the word here this morning, he comes to you again. He says, stop trying to make yourself acceptable to God and give it to me. Give it to him. He was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. And therefore, therefore, because he was raised for our justification, there is new life for us. Beginning now, fully in the future. But beginning now, too. A new life of thankfulness now. Living with the desire to follow him, to serve him in everything. Why would you follow and obey Christ? For nothing. Totally for nothing. I'm already saved in Christ. Already justified. Already on the way to glory. So why would you follow Christ and obey God? Purely out of thankfulness. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Just for him who loved you first and gave himself up for you. Therefore, you want to love and serve him. And yes, you'll still sin, even though you've been so richly blessed in him. But you hate it when you do that. You hate it. It causes you sorrow. But then you can go to him in repentance again in this life. And he promised to listen to broken and contrite hearts. And see, congregation, in that process too, you long for the day when that life that Jesus has received will be completely yours, when we'll be taken up into glory and perfection with God, glorified body, glorified soul, perfect joy with God. Jesus has it all already with God after his resurrection and his ascension. We only have part of that here yet. I share in his life already, new life under God's grace here, but I don't share everything fully with Christ yet. Your body is subject to pain, suffering, and deterioration. Your soul has to deal with weaknesses. Your joy is tempered with sorrow all the time. No, we don't share in the fullness of Christ's glory yet. But it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. A matter of dying and being raised again on the last day too. And then we'll share in the full glory of Jesus Christ. And that hope tempers all our sorrows here and and our struggles. Because then we'll share in the, the full glory of our Savior And will be able to live forever in the light and the joy of him in whom we have been so richly blessed. So blessed. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for a savior who was willing to, who you were willing to, to deliver up. Deliver up completely for our offenses and to raise up for our justification. Father, that shows how much you love us. How can we ever doubt that? You gave him up for us. You loved us 
at that time, you loved our, our lives more than his. How can that be, Father? Incredible love. But how blessed we are in him too then. Father, new life already here. Raised with him to new life already here. And, Father, on the way to life forevermore. Life that we can't even imagine here in this broken world. But a life we know is in your presence with the Lamb forever. And in his name we give thanks.